We're grateful to be here today. We're grateful to gather and in the midst of the current distress, the difficulties that we have with this pandemic, we're able to meet safely online and we praise God and thank him for uh, the wonderful accommodation that he has provided for us. Today, uh, I didn't know what to title the lesson. I really struggled with this one, but I just entitled it Skip About. <laughs> it's probably kind of a funny sounding name, but I hope it'll make sense to you at the end. And I hope that you will go forth knowing and having considered, you know, the fact that there, when, when judgment comes, when Christ comes, he brought judgment because he brought forth the opportunity to be with him or opposed to him. And if we just decide to do things our own way, that is an arrogant thing to do. People who reject Christ, people who don't fear the Lord are arrogant and they are bringing about themselves a judgment to come that is not a pleasant one. But the other option is to be humble and to be in Christ and to do things his way because we fear him. And when we do that, when we submit our lives to Jesus, there it's, it's a freeing, a freeing feeling. And we can go forth in our lives no matter what's going on and be like, skip around, skip about like calves from the stall, calves who have been shut up in the stall, and now the the door swings open, and they can go and uh, jump about in the pasture land and play and frolic. Let us be like those carefree calves who now have been set free by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, free from sin, free from worries, free from uh, being lost and without hope, I I hope today that you'll just consider this thought about skipping about. So to get us to to that point, though, let's set the stage a little bit more. And it was already set for us last week. We presented uh, Jesus in in chapter 3 of Malachi. We presented Jesus as being the one who was going to come, and he was going to bring bring judgment, and he he was going to bring... um, the fire, the the refining fires, and you'll either be refined and made better by Christ or else you'll be burned up by Christ at his coming. That was the warning to these people in Malachi, is that they better be ready. And that's what um, uh, John the Baptist came to do was to remind people to get back right with God, start doing things his way so you can be ready for the one who comes after me because he is the one who is going to be the refining fire. And that's what Jesus did. So this sense of judgment that we're that I'm talking about on the outline, if you're looking there, and I, I just put Malachi warns that judgment is coming. It's very similar to that preceding chapter. When you get to chapter four, it's very, very similar. Chapter four, verse one says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be like chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will not leave them, so, excuse me, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. So to the arrogant, to the evildoer, that is who he is talking about in particular in this this verse. Um, That idea of arrogant, it's really an interesting, 
interesting phrase that we want to uh, hammer out here a little bit and kind of define and see what it is. But notice in chapter 4, verse 1, he tells all the arrogant, he tells them that they will be chaff and they will be burned up. My question comes, well, how were they arrogant? And we think of arrogant as somebody who is high and lofty minded. They got their nose in the air and, you know, they think they know everything. You know, what made these people arrogant? What made them so high minded? And so I go back to chapter uh at the end of chapter 3, we haven't covered these verses, but look at chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Um, now, I do want to note that in um, in verse number 15, it actually does use the word arrogant. And in chapter, in verse, excuse me, in verse 15, it says er, the word arrogant is used. In verse 13, uh, the New American Standard has the word arrogant in it, but I'm going to read it as the word is, is a different word because I think it was it's in the Hebrew it's a, just a different uh, different Hebrew word so I'm going to read it a little bit different here so verse thirteen it says your words have been harsh against me and that's where the New American Standard uses the word arrogant against me but that idea is they were speaking harsh words they were talking hard words against God. I mean, you talk about the epitome of arrogance. I, I uh, you know, to speak harsh words against God, that's just the epitome of arrogance. That is, that is something, that's a no-no. You don't do that. God is the supreme one, not you. If you try and elevate yourself up against God and speak harsh words against him, that is just a sad shame and a scary thing. So again, verse 13 Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? God explains, you have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Listen to the words of God. So he says in... um, Verse 15, then, as it continues here, so now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. So these people are speaking boldly against God. They're speaking harshly and hard words against God. They're going contrary to anything that God has said or many things that God has said. And there were some examples just right here in that verse. Now, also notice in this verse, in verse number 13, um, God said something, and then they responded. It says, your words have been hard or hard or harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, or but you say, what have we spoken against you? If you go through this book of Malachi, and you count how many times that this phrase is used, but you say, or and you say, or yet you say, there are nine times in these four in these four chapters that they say this, but you say. So God's saying he's he's being very clear is that hey I'm telling you guys something I'm making it known to you, but you say something to the contrary. That's arrogance. That is elevating themselves, making themselves uh, 
They think they know better than God. So arrogance, turning against God, not believing what he says, thinking only that what they think is right and that God is wrong. And the third thing, so they so they spoke harshly against God. That's how they were arrogant. They used the phrase, but you say, or that's what God said about them. But they, they, so nine times they tried to contradict God. That's arrogance. And then lastly, in chapter two, verse nine, God makes it known. He says, you are not keeping my way, but are favoring your own instruction. That language is something God speaks there in chapter 2, verse 9. These people were arrogant, which is bizarre because, you know, when we read through that Old Old Testament not too long ago, you know, they had just suffered greatly uh, being taken into captivity in Babylon. They had finally made their way back. They were finally able to be in their own land. They were finally able to worship at their own temple once they finally rebuild it. And yet they have not learned their lesson. The, the lesson was, is God was telling them, hey, if, you aren't, if you don't humble yourself and do things my way, I don't care how many sacrifices you make, I'm going to send you away into captivity. You've got to do things my way. You must listen to me. And yet they didn't listen. And now here they are. They've they've been reestablished. They've rebuilt the temple. Things are should be going swimmingly, yet they are not following God's instructions. They even um, even in that verse 14, you have said it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we walked in mourning before the Lord? Hey, we have we have done what he said. We have repented. We have shown sorrow for our sins, and yet God isn't blessing us. So it's it's worthless to worship God. Think back to that first chapter where they said it's 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 vain. Uh, the the temple of the Lord is to, or excuse me, the table of the Lord is to be despised. They were doing things their own way. And I want you to, as you think about them, their arrogance, their rebellion, they're not doing things simply the way God had said, I want you to consider something. Because Jerry and I struggled with this even when we were, were going through um, the preparation for this, this lesson. And the thought is this, is that in this current distress, we are not meeting in person uh, together at the building on Sundays. That's not what God wants. We know that. And there are a lot of things God, you know, we went through and struggled through a lot of this when we first came up with this decision about what how we were going to handle this, what we were going to do. And the question is this, are we arrogantly following our own instruction just doing favoring the things that we think, or are we actually following and keeping God's way? And there are two sides to this. It's hey, no, we should we should be at the building. That's what he says. Or hey, there God has provided other accommodations, and He exalts some things higher, and we've got to um, make the accommodation for the time being. And there's two sides to this. And no matter which side you tend to fall on, uh, 
when no matter what you think, if you haven't struggled with this issue, then I would just challenge you that you may be favoring your own instruction. And it's not necessarily that the that the answer that there is a right or wrong answer or that we have figured everything out, but it's just the fact if you haven't struggled with it, if you haven't looked at the scriptures and really just said, God, what do you want us to do? If you haven't wrestled with that, if it hasn't bothered you that we're not meeting in person, then you know you need to you need to really consider are you just following your own instruction and there isn't it's something we need to consider so everybody no matter which side you are on really think long and hard are we doing what god wants us to do the folks in uh, malachi's time they were doing only what they wanted to do. And again, this that thought applies to both sides of an issue of to meet in person or to not meet in person. They, uh, they thought they had it figured out instead of doing things God's way. So instead of being hum, instead of being arrogant and just thinking, we've got it all figured out or I've got it all figured out or I'm with this side and you know I don't care what the other side is. Humble yourselves, consider God's word, consider it deeply, consider every aspect of it, and ask yourself then, am I doing what God wants me to do, or am I favoring my own instruction? Now, back to the book of Malachi, in chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, he was calling them out for being arrogant. And then he gives um, a, a, an opposing view of people, the, the alternate option. Instead of being arrogant, he talks about those who fear the Lord. So chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it, And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who who does not serve him. So here's the distinction to the arrogant. Here, and God is just making it plain and clear. God, for to those who fear the Lord, to those who actually, instead of believing their own ways or their own thoughts, and they just simply fear the Lord, God says, this is my summary. I will remember you. That's what that book is writing that book about is about. I will claim you. You're going to be my possession, and I will spare you. And I, I love that thought of I will spare you, that it contains the acknowledgement of, hey, we're, we're not worthy, but yet he chooses us. He is going to spare us from what we truly deserve, and that's eternal punishment. 
God will, to those who fear the Lord, God will remember you, God will claim you, and he will spare you. And you think about that when Jesus came, that that's the essence of, of what he did. He came, he remembers us, he makes a claim to us, and he will spare us on that day of judgment. And that brings me then, I want to jump to chapter 4, verse number 2. It said, and, and remember, we had just we already read verse number one where the arrogant are condemned. Number two says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I am sparing, that I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to remember that, you know, this is in, in context. He's, he's the day that he was preparing was the coming day of the Lord when Jesus would actually walk around on earth. The son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the, the day that was coming. That's when John the Baptist came saying, get ready. I'm preparing the way for the Lord. He's at hand. He's coming after me. And so that's what he was forecasting there. He was talking about Jesus coming. God will remember you. He will claim you and he will spare you. And then that all happens with Jesus Christ, the son of righteousness. He is the light in him. There is no, there is no darkness. He was the only one who lived righteously on this earth and he shares his righteousness with us. So Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills this verse. And there is, you know, it talks about that, that son of righteousness and there will be healing in his wings in that passage. And, you know, we've got all kinds of infirmities, all kinds of sicknesses. Jesus went around healing those physical uh, distresses because he cared about people and he wanted people to know who he was. He had healing in his wings. That lady who came up and touched the hem of his garment, she was healed because she touched the wing that um, that was part of his garment. She she was healed in an instant because she believed that there was healing in his wings. And so w- they were healed of all of these physical ailments because they had faith in Jesus. And we today are healed of our great spiritual illnesses. We're healed and saved from our sins. We are made whole. Uh, and it's, you know, we might have physical problems and man when we grow old those um those physical ailments and problems become a bit more pronounced but internally we are being renewed in our spirit day by day we are healed we are made whole we are filled with everything that is good and right we are god's people and he lives in us And therefore, when we come to Jesus Christ and we come to that son of righteousness and he heals us, we will go forth. And that's from the moment we meet him, from the moment we know him, from the moment he comes into our lives and uh, gives us his spirit, we can go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Ah, man, I see a mistake on my, my spelling. So disappointing. But we skip like calves from the stall. 
It's such a a happy thought to see, you know, just a picture, a young animal. I don't, you know, maybe, maybe you've never seen calves skip from uh, around, uh, you know, out in the open pasture, but all animals, when they're young, they're so playful. Those cows aren't any different when they're little, those calves, they skip around. They love, they just enjoy life. They are carefree. They have no worries. You think about an animal, whether it's a bear or um, a wolf or whatever it might be out in the wild, they're, they're babies, they're pups. They're, when they're with them, they're, they're playing, they're attacking each other. They're rolling around, they're attacking mom. And when mom's being attacked, she's always got her head around looking around because mom is going to protect those calves, those babes, those pups. And we're like that. We don't have to worry anymore about the craziness that's going around on around us, whether it's political or um, the pandemic or whatever it might be. We are freed. We are healed. We are whole. We have our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the story I want you to think of to, to just picture this and grab hold of this is from Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to skip on down a a little bit in this passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is when Peter and um, John, I believe, are entering the, um, yeah, Peter and John are going into the temple, and there's a beggar out there who has, as it says in verse 2, a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along. They set him down. He would sit at the, the gate called Beautiful and Beg. He can't walk. He's never been able to walk. He, um, verse 4. Uh, Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him when he had said, um, you know, he was begging, asked to, asked to receive alms. Fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him and being the, as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. When Christ comes into our life, when he heals, heals us spiritually, when our sins are washed away in the waters of baptism, we should come up out of those waters feeling free, feeling uh, full of hope, feeling joy, and we should go on the rest of our days, not just that day, but the rest of our days, leaping and skipping forth like uh, calves from the stall. So please consider that. And we can be like that when we know that we are following God's word. When we're not arrogant, but humbly coming to God and saying, I'm going to do whatever you'd have me to do. And we go forth from our stall and we are skipping and um, just carefree. And this doesn't mean um, silly all of our lives. You know, there's the, 
you can go too far with this image in this picture, I think, but it's, it's not having another worry or care in life. We don't have to worry because he takes care of us. He has taken care of us. And according to uh, Malachi chapter four, verse three, while we're skipping around um, worry free in this life, we tread down the wicked. You know, and you see it in this chapter three of Acts when when this guy was skipping around because he had been healed and able to walk and skip. Now, the the wicked Pharisees, they were looking at him thinking, oh, what what's what's going on? He's, you know, the name of Jesus is being exalted. And that one guy had um, had a wonderful effect on the name of Christ. And he was treading down wickedness because he had joy in the Lord. So. There are a couple things in this uh, this message that I hope you'll then to con- consider. First of all, the, the challenge then is to, to take time to reflect on the entirety of this passage, really the entirety of the thought of Malachi, and really think about this and say, ask yourself, do you keep the Lord's way or do you favor your own instruction or somebody else's? Well, you know, whoever it might be. Well, Eric said it, I'm going to believe it. Or so-and-so said it, I'm going to believe it. Or there's another preacher I heard, he said it, and I just believe him. Well, if you want to keep the Lord's way, you don't don't just think you've got the right answer. Whatever the issue is, do you keep the Lord's way or do you favor your own instruction? And the second thing is then, do you fear the Lord and now go forth skipping like a calf because he has healed you. You know, it's two, these are two very different things, but very related being committed to keeping the Lord's way. And when you know you're doing that, that's because you fear the Lord. And now you can go forth worry free, just trusting God, finding joy and hope, even in the darkest of circumstances, because he has healed you. And when you do that, when we get there, when we grow to learn that and understand that and have that mentality in our lives, that way of thinking, then you're ready for judgment. And I I ask, are you ready for the judgment? So trust the Lord God, do things his way. Always don't, don't trust your own thinking the way of a man, the way of the man seems right in his own eyes, but in the end, but it ends in death. It leads to death. So don't trust your way of thinking. Get in the word of God. Study it, know it, and follow it because you fear the Lord. Then you can go forth skipping like a calf because he's healed you. So I hope that's an encouraging thought today. I hope it's uh, it's one where you know you can be be saved, but it's also a very um, like a slow down and really think. Don't fool yourself into thinking, hey, I can skip around like a calf because I'm following the Lord. Think about it long and hard on the issue of whether it's meeting in person at the building or whether it's how you um, how you do your job at work or how your work how, how you are living as a parent, as a friend, whatever it might be. Take it seriously. Think about it this week. I pray that everybody is able to skip around like a calf from the stall. If there's anybody who hasn't given their life to Jesus, 
There are a lot of things to be worried about in, in life if you don't know Jesus. But once you give your life to Jesus, and I pray you'll do that if you haven't, then he takes care of you. and He'll be like that mama bear protecting the cubs. You can give your life to him and trust him forever. If you haven't given your life to Jesus today, do it today. Get together with somebody and start learning, start growing. Get the questions that you have, get them answered. Whatever you need to do, we encourage you to come to Christ. And we'll, we'll sing a song of encouragement in that regard.